Oh, yeah. Welcome back. This is Captain Fred, and we're discussing this upcoming election. You know, Chris, we've we've went through a couple of elections since the first time you and I started talking, and you and I uh, have been pretty vocal about some of the things that we'd like to change about the this country and, you know, like term limits and balanced budget and flat tax and have we have have we totally decided that's not going to ever happen or how do you feel about that can we make a change like that you know i i, I think we can and and the, to, to follow up on what i was what I'm saying if these independent parties were to pull their own party membership and identify what is most significant to the party if i'm the independent party we'll call it the independent party and uh, what the most important issue is, is X. And what I do is I go to the person who I believe, or maybe both candidates, because the, all of these elections of these Senate, senatorial races are going to be within, and very often, are going to be within the percentage points of the independent party voters. In other words, if the independent party is like 2% or 1%, and you look at the way that the five states that determined the presidential election turned out last time, uh, it was a total of like a quarter of a million votes for the president's election in Fulton County, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, Philadelphia County, uh, Milwaukee County, and, and uh, Wayne County, and, and the like. It turns out that the independent vote would have covered all of that and would have changed the course had the independent of the presidential election, had the independent party pledged and requested its supporters to vote for a particular candidate, they would have turned the difference in, in the presidential election. So these independent parties have a tremendous amount of, of potential influence. They just don't utilize it. They don't utilize it. What they do is they go out there, and it's like Ross Perot. What they do is they suck legitimate voters away from the dialogue. And what you wind up with is Bill Clinton getting elected. <laughs> well, I you think know, Ross Perot yeah. got got threatened out of the uh, of the uh, candidacy. I think that when uh, people showed uh, Ross the missing Zapruder film frames, that he decided maybe it wasn't really something he wanted to do. At least that. I don't think that's. I don't think not, that's it at all. Ross Perot. Ross withdrew. Ross Perot withdrew from the race the night Bill Clinton's acceptance speech at the DNC. Now, you tell me that's a freaking coincidence. Well, the scuttlebutt I heard at EDS when I was there was that Ross Perot had part of his family threatened. Uh, and, and, and maybe that's why he, you know, uh, withdrew on the night of Bill Clinton's uh, uh, acceptance speech. But the point in all of that is, is that rather than use that voter percentage as a commitment to a particular one of the two political parties with a guarantee uh, that what was going to happen is that uh, when that party be, uh, came to power, that, that those particular uh, agenda items were, were achieved, uh, th those independent parties don't do that. What they do is they just sit on their hands and they get like 2% of the votes of people who want to vote for, you know, whether this should be free mud or... You know, like whether the world's going to end in four years because of climate change. It's some nonsense. And, and, you know, and then that's it. That's all that happens. Well, uh, those voters are happened, real voters. What happened with, with Trump 
is something that happens with everybody that gets into office. He runs into the the uh, fourth branch of the United States government, which is the administrative. The administrative are all the bureaucrats that actually were part of what the problem that he had making any changes. The bureaucrats and the he can FBI. change that. He can he can change that. And well, the reason is. He should have, but that's why I said he really didn't understand how the federal government works. A lot of those people are in uh, positions that are appointees. He he didn't get around to, you know, the first thing the Democrats do is fire every U.S. attorney in the country. That's the first thing they do. To change, like, who's going to get prosecuted. Like, that's that's day one. You know, and, and Trump wasn't like that. You know, he wasn't that, he wasn't that savvy. And the people that he had around him, although I think, you know, some of them may have been good-spirited and all of that, but he didn't have, uh, let me do it this way. I don't think the guy really planned to win. If I win, what am I, what am I going to do and why? I don't think he did that. I think he got there and there was a lot of confusion. And the Democrats don't do that. The Democrats, like, uh, you know, six months out already have their, advanced teams and they're figuring out who's going to be the uh, undersecretary of agriculture in charge of, you know, check spindling and deflating, you know, mattress tag tearing. They've got that job fixed. You know what I mean? They're paying off their campaign debt already. They know who that person is. Republicans, you know, Trump didn't do that. And it did, and it really hurt him. It really hurt him. The one thing he finally figured out was he needed to appoint judges and boy, that he did, and boy, that has really helped this country. But he was, you know, too late to figure out the the fact that he has tremendous power to to, to begin to reshape the uh, the bureaucracy, and particularly in terms of uh, the uh, the whole mess that he went through with uh, uh, Sessions and the FBI and uh, you know the Attorney General. Oh my God, that was it was a horror story. The people at the FBI were out to get him. Well, even you know, the government and I'm not... has its own placement organization that places people within its government. Uh, the administrative branch is probably the most uh, intrinsic, or it's lodged into this government now more than anybody. I mean, when you think about the administrative, that's the people that are Social Security, IRS, the uh, all these agencies that that basically. Uh, undermine the presidency during uh, Trump's presidency are the same ones that are here now with Biden, and everybody's benefiting from it. Most of the most of those two are still working at home, uh, which is that's another topic altogether too. But I I don't think that this election can affect. A, a major change at all. I mean, even if Biden is a lame duck president, it still doesn't make any difference with all these government administrative jobs. Yes, it does, Fred. And I think that that's a reductionist argument. It does make a difference, and here's why. Because these clowns can't pass the legislation that Biden will sign off on anymore. They're not going to be able to just, like, say, oh, we're going to have a... Uh, uh, and they'll entitle it something Orwellian, like uh, Help the American People Recover Act. And it'll be just packed with things on how to rig elections and, uh, you know, uh, giving money to the, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
people like Solendra, you know, uh, uh, where you have these ideas where government money is given to uh, 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 backers of a political wing, you know, and, the, and then they go bankrupt, and you know, and, the, and who knows where the money went. You know, it's like Black Lives Matter. You know, millions of dollars, there's no accountability. You know, what's going on here? That's what happens when, when, when in my opinion, when the Democrat machine gets a hold of government spending. It's not the fact that they're tax and spend. It's where did that money go? It's like talking about the Ukraine. What happened to that money? When they get a trillion, a trillion dollars to spend, where does that money go? And that's the thing thing that could be stopped. (laughs) The 14% went to the rats. We know that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right, Fred. Yeah, but in that case, it's more like 40%. You know what I mean? They up the percentage. That's what they do. And the thing is, I think if, we, if there's a Republican Senate and, uh, and they're not a Republican because the McConnells, uh, you know, of the world and the Mitt Romneys of the world and Murkowski's and, the, you know, all of those people are, you know, they're still trying to at least publicly say, uh, I, I'm going to reach across the aisle and work with these people, with the Democrats, because they're really not bad people. You know, I'm not saying that they're bad people, but they have an agenda. And these people are serious. You know, they are serious. And they vote as a block. They do. A lot of those people uh, except, say that you and I are uh, terrorists. Well, yeah. You know, and in a sense, we are. And when I say that, to them, we are. The thing is, we do not believe the things that they think are real important. And we're going to do whatever we can to derail stuff that they think is important stuff. In other words, uh, I think they're two genders. I think a person can believe that they're a mushroom if they want, but it doesn't make them a mushroom. But if they want to be a mushroom, be a mushroom. I don't care. But don't tell me I've got to believe you're a mushroom, which is what they do. You know. In other words, if a guy, if a guy says I'm a girl, I don't care whether he thinks he's a girl. But don't tell me I have to think you're a girl because I don't. Chris, I, I just spent the last five days traveling. And while I was in hotels, I had television. And the television that there, well, there's a lot of entertainment on television, but there's a lot of pharmaceutical advertising on television. And I noticed that in this advertising, they were taking, well, they were projecting people happy using their products and using their drugs, but the people they pictured being happy using their drugs were of this culture that they're projecting that we will be. It Absolutely. Wasn't, you know, they were projecting a uh, male, I saw male, I saw the first gay commercial. It was for a HIV drug, and it was just, you know, it's kind of, I, I wouldn't have thought that that would ever be on television, but it was, and it was mainstream, and and kids watch that. And it well, you know, the thing that's where that's where age is. It's like a monkeypox, you know, uh, vaccine or something. That's exactly who is you know should be buying this or using it or what all. You know, the problem that I have is when you're looking at insurance, or when you're looking at the, you know breakfast cereal, and that stuff starts starts to drift into those commercials. There's no just, in my opinion, you know, now somebody could sit back and say, okay, wait a minute. 
let's do some marketing analysis here. Okay? What percentage of the population is X? And then what we're going to do is we're going to figure what percentage of our sales is to that percentage. Yeah, I agree right. with that. Then I get that. I, I don't see it's a problem. What all no, I'm no, saying no, no, is, no. is that no. people see, I think people watch television and don't really regard it as being behavior modification. I think they see oh, it yeah. as, I agree with as reality. And But what's happening is, is that people watch that and their behavior is being modified by what they see. And they're not even conscious of it. But it's I completely agree. entertaining. Couldn't, couldn't it's agree with you entertaining. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. And the messaging, the messaging in entertainment and advertising is to, uh, what, what, it's like normalizing. It's normalizing behaviors that most people don't agree with. You know, it's trying to say, see, all of these other people think it's just fine. What's wrong with you? That's the underlying message with all of this stuff. And, uh, and I find it just really deeply disturbing. Uh, you know, the thing is, uh, I'm watching a commercial about virtual reality. I forget what the company is, but one of the, it's like done in cartoons. And the, the first cartoon you see, there's, there's a, a little girl with a machine, and she's looking for these binoculars. And then there's like this, and it's hard to tell. It's just like a, it sounds like a boy's voice, but it's a girl's image. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's like, whoa, what? And it's obviously a child. Like, what was that? You know, um, I, I don't believe that normalizing behaviors like that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, uh, transgender uh, modification for kids who are like, you know, under 18. I mean, geez, if you can't smoke cigarettes, if you can't buy alcohol, if you can't vote, if you can't be in the army, but you can decide whether you want to be chemically castrated? <laughs> well, are I, you I think, serious? I think. I think and what's happening. Why is the messaging? Why is why is the messaging being delivered that that's that that's normal? Well, the the problem is is that people are being mentally raped by this stuff, mentally raped, and this is the same media that projects the uh, these elections as being uh, uh, something that the 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 people, the voters, have decided. I mean. A few weeks ago, I I, uh, I did a show that uh, I read some of the uh, book that Phyllis Shafley wrote in 1964, which is a choice, not an echo. And she even stated back then that that none of these presidential candidates have been select or been uh, elected, but they've been selected by the, the what she called the kingmakers. And, you know, Trump, even Trump had been positioned for years. Last week, I think I had a caller that that stated about how, well, now he was actually involved with, uh, with um, I think it was Tom in Utah, as a matter of fact. And he had met uh, Trump in a meeting, and Trump in 2010 was being uh, groomed then as a candidate for the United States. I think that people don't understand how our our presidential nominees are selected and groomed. And while Biden 
I, I, Biden is there for a particular purpose. He's, you know, people call him poopy pants. People think that he's, but Biden is there simply because he's a placeholder and he's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's keeping people occupied, calling him poopy pants, saying he's not worthy of the job. But the truth is, is that he's not the one that's calling the shots. The first day in no, office, yeah. the first day right. in office, he started signing executive orders, repealing all of the other executive orders. But one executive order that he didn't repeal was Trump's executive order that he put in place September of 2019, which basically was warp speed. Warp speed gave the pharmaceutical companies all they needed to get filthy rich. Has Trump ever said anything or done anything that's more that has stated his position about those vaccines now? Or is he still totally the vax daddy that he was back in uh, 20, 2019? I don't well, think he has, know, has he? Not that I know. But, you know, the things what we, we were starting, uh, the starting point of this particular thread had to do with uh, the media and uh, how the media was uh, legitimizing uh, various behaviors, various positions uh, uh, through advertising and uh, uh, entertainment. And I would say, in, uh, under the guise of news as well, you know, I, I completely agree with you. And, that, you know, when you say that, that, that we are being uh, psychologically uh, raped, I, I think that's a little strong, but, I mean, it's akin to it. What we're getting in all of this stuff here is a narrative that's supposed to normalize stuff that just isn't really happening. And uh, what I mean by that is, if you went around this country, you could go to some very, very liberal places and ask certain questions, and you're going to hear uh, answers that have nothing to do with the narrative, for example. Uh, John James ran uh, as a Senate candidate in Michigan, and one of his ads had to do with, uh, because John James, coincidentally, is African-American. Uh, I think he's a great candidate, and I, I had hoped that he was going to win in Michigan. But one of his ads contained, uh, uh, you know, kind of the reality that if, if you have transgender boys competing with your daughter for, uh, you know, uh, in athletics, your daughter may very well be denied an educational opportunity. Title IX would give her a, a, an athletic scholarship to, you know, equal or be kind of sort of equal to what boys' athletics are uh, if your daughter would excel in athletics. A lot of, you know, as with, you know, the Irish and Jews and, and immigrants at the beginning of the last century, uh, uh, use athletics as a way to uh, uh, rise and, you know, socially because uh, they can use that athletic talent, uh, you know, for an education or a job or, you know, what all. But uh, when you have that transgender stuff, it, it just undercuts that ability. And if you went to rural North Carolina, where you have uh, religious African Americans, and you ask them whether it's a good idea to have, uh, you know, uh, boys in a girls' locker room, uh, you know, or, or to be on an athletic team, they look at you like you were, like, you know, you're out of your mind. And they would never vote for that stuff if it was presented in that manner. And I think that there are, uh, uh, there's so much of the, uh, of the country has 
uh, core values that are wildly inconsistent with what the what the democratic and mainstream media messaging is. It, it, it's but we we are, as you say, being normalized. We are being psychologically like kind of like held hostage by this media and been, being given these messages that people really don't agree with. They do not agree with it. They're profoundly anti-American. They're anti-family. They're, uh, they're against the things that most people hold very dear. Chris, um, you said something yeah. earlier, and uh, it, it kind of stuck with me. You said that Trump was lashed on to a movement that uh, was what brought him into the White House. And absolutely. I, have, I think you're absolutely right about that. That movement is is above and beyond Trump. I think oh, completely. That, right. But the problem is, is that that movement was, I maybe that movement was subterfuged by Trump in a lot of ways. Because if, if anyone had gotten in there that was really that had really stood for that movement, I think that he might have done a lot more than he did. As it as I disagree with you. I think well his legacy is, isn't isn't really about much of anything. Well the the point the point in all of this is is that the messaging was to make Trump as unmanageable, as undigestible, as unappealing as repulsive as possible. The guy got impeached twice. Uh, the, the guy got three and a half years worth of uh, Russian collusion. He's been investigated more than any known human being, always with the MSNBC and Rachel Maddow saying, oh, he's going to get perp walked out of the White House. Yeah, it, it, all of this was to identify the, the worst human being on the planet with the most fundamentally American movement that's come along. In other words, the movement was, was, co-op, was, was colored by Trump. In other words, if you listen to Biden, he says he's MAGA people. Wait a minute. The people who are MAGA people had, quote, MAGA ideas before Trump ever showed up. They're not MAGA people. MAGA was something that was given to them as a slogan by Trump to reflect the values that they already have. So That's right. when, when, when Biden says, oh, these, these MAGA people are terrorists or they're white supremacists, on, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a crock. Um, you know, uh, but, but what, what was done was that the messaging was to link people with the values to Donald Trump to make them bad because Donald Trump was bad. I think that, that's, that's the messaging. Well, see, that's, you know, and, and that, that's what was done. And, so, and then here, now here's the, the answer. Here's the answer. There, there, are, there is a new generation of people, and I encourage everybody, if you haven't gone and, and, and looked her up, I think the most impressive politician on the, uh, on the scene today is a gal named Carrie Lake, who's running for governor in Arizona. She was a TV uh, photojournalist for 20 years. And uh, she just quit, like Tulsi Gabbard, saying, "I just, I can't do this anymore. I see what, what, what the media is doing, and I won't be part of it." Uh, the thing is, she knows how they do what they do, and uh, she is one of the clearest speaking, most courageous, 
doesn't give a snot what the press says. She doesn't run from... Let me give you an example. When Mitt Romney was running for president, he was in a presidential debate with Barack Obama. And the issue came up as to whether or not Barack Obama had called the Benghazi attack a terrorist attack. Whether it was terrorism. And uh, Mitt Romney uh, got sideways with Candy, what's her name? She was a uh, uh, somebody from CNN, I forget her last name, but she corrected Mitt Romney. She said, oh, you're wrong. Obama did this or did that, uh, which, of course, wasn't her place, if you understand what I'm saying. Right. She was Mitt moderator. Romney, if, yeah, well, she's, not that she's the moderator, but the point is she's a moderator. She's not there to decide what's correct. That's for the voters to figure out. And the thing is, Romney was such a wuss. He never turned around and said, listen, lady, I got my job, you got yours. And here's the job you don't have. You don't have the job to sit there and tell the voters what's true. Your job is to ask me a question and to take my answer. Your job isn't to grade my answer. And the fact that you did that means you shouldn't have the job that you get right now. And if you had any integrity, you'd leave. He never said stuff like that because he was afraid of the press. He curries their favor. He wants to be, as Tulsi Gabbard said, at the cool kids party. Yeah. He wants to be somebody that the New York Times likes. Carrie Lake doesn't give a snot what the press thinks. And she tells them that. You know, I watched her. Somebody from think, CNN comes up. Go ahead. Do you think that Go she ahead. might be the person that could uh, replace Trump, uh, Trump's attachment Absolutely. to this, this matter? Absolutely. Not only. Or what about the governor of Florida? Absolutely. I, I think, to my mind, if you want two people who just don't care what the press says, and, and that's, the, that, that's the answer. The answer is, you know, uh, Henry Kissinger once said that, that uh, power is the uh, ability to achieve a result without the use of force. That's when you have power. You can make things happen without resulting to a gun. And I agree with him. But the point is, with respect to the press, the press only has power if you give it to them. And Carrie Lake absolutely does not give it to him. And Ron DeSantis absolutely does not give it to him. And it started with Donald Trump. The problem with Donald Trump is his personality is such that he doesn't pick and choose his fights. Every fight is his biggest... You know, if it's what, what, why he... It is is critiqued or, or challenged about the breakfast cereal he eats. He fights just as strongly uh, than he does about whether or not uh, a particular uh, statute is unconstitutional. Well, I mean, come course, on. What, whatever happened, whatever happened to Trump, you can't deny that what happened to Trump was that he he basically was elected and his presidency diffused this movement, this national movement that he that he came to represent. And now, even even as we speak, they're still trying to demonize these people that went for Trump's bait on this capital uh, uh, demonstration that he called 
And that, I think, was was probably what brought Trump down more than anything else. People still believe in Trump, but I don't think he can overcome his position with COVID. I don't think he can overcome the fact that he uh, basically wasn't able to work with any of these people to get a lot of things done. And I think that, like you say, Kerry Lake, I, I'm... I'm hopeful. I'm like you. I'm hopeful that we can make some changes. But I think the problem that we have is this media is a deep, deep state operative that works for the administrative branch, the administrative you, you branch know, being all of these agencies. And, it's, and they're represented by, by, by a Democratic controlled media, you know, and I, and I think I mentioned uh, on, on a different show that, uh, you know, uh, a, a fellow from the Columbia School of Journalism uh, polled the audience, uh, polled the students, rather, and asked, uh, you know, what are you political in? Every one of them was like a liberal, progressive, you know, liberal. Hey, so th- I don't mean a liberal in the classic sense. I mean, Chris, I think we need to take a break here pretty soon, but I wanted to uh, uh, give out the phone number if anybody would like to call in and, and add to this conversation about uh, – about the election, or, uh, or would give us a call. It's uh, area code 512-248-8252. Again, that's 512-248-8252. And, uh, well, I don't hear any music yet, but I see the time's coming up. Um, well, well, let's just keep on going then. Well, Chris, if, if Carrie Here's Light- a question. Here's a question, and it has to do with Carrie Light. Is Trump's time passed? And I'm not saying that because the things that he's come to represent, I don't think the movement was Trump. He comes to represent that movement. Is the time for his representation of the movement passed because he's going to be 80? You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah there's the music right there, Chris. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is the fifth dimension. We'll be back. Tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. American Freedom News is your daily website that will keep you fully informed on what both the good guys and bad guys are doing in the information war in which we are all engaged. Fed up with the lies of the fake news media and the censorship of big tech giants? American Freedom News is the solution as we provide truth and knowledge on all the vital issues of the day. American Freedom News believes in America first. The establishment wants us split into numerous hostile groups rather than uniting in a common cause against the corrupt oligarchy that is plundering America and the world. Many more Americans are waking up and realizing they are the victims of the ongoing Great Replacement and Great Reset. But the malevolent forces trying to systematically destroy America can and will be defeated. Be fully informed by reading American Freedom News, the best news and information site on the Internet. Go to AmericanFreedomNews.us and find out for yourself. That's AmericanFreedomNews.us. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite, and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product, has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee that's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. show this is captain fred i have captain chris on the line we've been discussing um voting in the elections of course and we've got a couple callers right now i'd like to take uh mitchell in memphis mitchell uh what do you think about this vote situation 
Um, I was just thinking about this, and is as voters, do we ever really know if any election was honest? I mean, is there any any way that we would know a hundred percent that there was no foul play with the election? Well, if 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 the candidates are selected by by the uh, kingmakers, like Phyllis Shafley said, then we may be voting, but we're voting for a uh, you know a fixed group of people. That okay, I guess what, what I'm saying, Fred, is it's sort of like proving a negative. We really don't know. I mean, no. I mean in, in the Trump election, uh, they we were told that, that you know half the country says that the, the election was stolen. Hillary said the election was stolen. Uh, you remember the hanging chads? What I'm saying is, we we never really know if if no. it was an honest election. So I want to read something. This country is based on this idea of popular sovereignty. So let me read the definition of this: popular sovereignty is government based on consent of the people. The government's source of authority is the people, and its power is not legitimate if it disregards the will of the people. Government established by free choice of the people is expected to serve the people who have sovereignty or supreme power. Now, nextly, I want to say this. So what is popular sovereignty? The United States, Canada, and Mexico are all examples of countries that have adopted a system of popular sovereignty. In the United States, people vote for the representatives who make decisions on their behalf in Congress. Okay. So it's all about the voting and popular sovereignty. So I put together three points, sort of a logic equation, to come to a fourth point, a conclusion. And I'll just read this real quick. Number one. If there is no way to prove that the election is an honest election, then popular sovereignty cannot be achieved. Number two, if popular sovereignty is not achieved, then you do not have the will and consent of the people. Number three, if you do not have the will and consent of the people, you do not have legitimate government. And conclusion, because you can never know if elections are honest, we will never have a legitimate government with this flawed electoral system. Game over. That sounds logical to me, Chris. Well, here, and that's all I have to say. I, I, I have no, no faith. I, I, I think here, that's the problem. And I, I, I'd like to ask you something. The thing is, yeah. this is like, do you really have a liver? The thing is, how do you know if anything is legitimate? Hang on, let me look. Yeah, I've got one. <laughs> that's the, there's the beauty yeah. of radio. <laughs> No, the thing is, how do you know? <laughs> Next the, question. How do you know that? How do you know that the election is legitimate? Well, how you're making a point. Election? You don't know. Well, what you're telling me then you, is you, you just made the have. point. We don't know if it's legitimate or not. Okay, so what you just explained. So we can. So I'm saying, if we can never achieve popular sovereignty because we don't know. Let Let Chris uh, finish with his thought on this. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, the thing is, your your what your argument suggests is. There's no point to having a, a, a elected government. Well, perhaps not this one. Well, uh, the other one. So, what what, what this does is have it, you heard of voluntarism? What it does is it argues yourself into a position where you can't have what you decided at the beginning you want. And well, it's called an argument to ignorance. Because we can't prove anything, it doesn't mean that what we don't prove is real, or it doesn't mean that what we are one side or the other isn't real. It's an argument to the ignorance that we have, and you know, if we believe it, uh, we've been we've been influenced by media to believe that it does exist. Is that and 
And no, Chris, what, I'm arguing, what I'm saying is you, you don't have what you think you have. I have to agree with that. That's what I've I been trying to do. You go around make. thinking that the, the election this, election that, but you don't have it. And so maybe uh, maybe it's, it's just not a possibility to have honest elections. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that doesn't exist in, in reality. I don't I know. The, uh, I think the argument you're making is is that you don't have what you don't know. And, and the thing is, at a certain level, you don't know. And you can't know. But at another level, what you could do your best to find out. And I think that that's what we're obligated to do. The thing is, is uh, was Hillary's election legit? Uh, the answer is and was, uh, it sure was, it was legit and she lost. And her positioning in all of this was that the reason that Trump won was because Trump had colluded with the Russians who had acted to change the outcome of the election. That was Hillary's position. And after three and a half years, a team that was comprised of people like uh, 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 Weissman and these other people who were just, uh, you know, Democratic hacks, uh, came back with the opinion that not any American, this is after three and a half years, no American, not Trump, no American at all, polluted or, 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 or conspired with Russians to affect the outcome of the election. So I'm not going to say that that was a perfect process, but I can tell you this, I couldn't find a more partisan group of clowns to investigate the uh, opposite side of the fence, and they couldn't find anything. So although I don't know what happened, I'm reasonably sure that Trump did not collude with the Russians. Okay, so I can go there. On the other well, Chris, hand, if I say, well, hang on, let me finish. If, if I say, on the other hand, uh, when the claim was that uh, uh, a water main broke in Fulton County, in five different counties, all pivotal counties, sh- sh- uh, shut down their, the counting of the presidential ballot at the same time, was there something irregular in the way the votes were being collected and counted? We've never gotten to the bottom of that. So the thing is, I don't know in one instance, but I'm pretty sure that I do in the other. I so think I think we can reasonably know. Chris, I I'm I've kind of fallen on this a lot of with state, Mitchell. Chris. I'm I'm with Mitchell on this. I don't think there's sure. any way we can know about this stuff. So there's, a, there's a presidential election coming up, and how? And let's say Donald Trump runs for office again. How, how would you know if 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 it was a fair election, I mean, I mean, Mike well, Rivera, another talk show host, he's just out there saying that it's a foregone conclusion. There's going to be cheating going on, so everybody get out and vote. Well, uh, you know, I'm, we need I'm sheer numbers Chicago. because everybody's going to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of damn system I'm is that? I mean, you know, people <laughs> yeah, have like executive order power and stuff. I mean, executive directors and stuff. This is kind of scary. I don't. You know, a lot of power at stake here. Well, first of all, first of all, let me say something here. We can draw some conclusions by what the media tries to get us to do by giving us different kinds of information. The conclusion I get from, well, let's say, let's take Biden when he said that they're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents. In my mind, what that says is, is that this government is having a tough time collecting taxes 
or else they wouldn't need 87,000 agency. And and what that says to me is that there's a, a lot of people in this country that are disenfranchised from these elections, like Mitchell, like myself. We, we have been disenfranchised because I, I'm, I've been talking about these uh, fake elections for quite some time now. If the media is fake, then these elections are fake too. I, when I grew up, I've always heard that in Russia they had mock elections, and yet the party was always the Communist Party, and they selected who was going to be in charge of it. But they had elections anyway. It seems an awful lot like that now to me. I'm just it's just me speaking. But I don't I don't think we've had a fair election for quite some time. And and like I said with Phyllis Shafley, she felt back then in nineteen sixty four that the presidential candidates were selected. She didn't think that they were elected at all. So, you know, this is something that's been going on a long time. Gentlemen, I'm having a crisis gentlemen, of, uh, let me ask of absolute you, let me ask you truth here in society. Let me ask you something. Do you, oh, oh. Do you think that the Trump, the Trump election was, was fixed? Was, you think that was fixed? Tell me how it was fixed. I think Trump was Trump was Trump was a uh, dark horse no, that no, was put I, in place. No, no. And and what he Forget. did, what he well, listen, let me finish, Chris. No, what he did, he did well. Yeah, but. All of it was a show that kept everybody in place for quite some time. And maybe I think I think Trump's uh, true colors were pretty much illustrated when he wrote the executive order for the for the uh, uh, warp speed. Yeah, I think that was that was what probably was the defining moment of the Trump presidency when he declared warp speed. How, How was, was the, the election rigged? That's the issue. How was Trump's election rigged? The Democrats came up with a story as to how it was rigged. It was rigged because Trump colluded with the Russians. That was disproven. It never happened. Okay, let's take that off the table. Since it wasn't the Russians, how else was Trump's election rigged? How did he cheat? Well, it didn't matter who got it. How do we know? We've got, we, we, it you, didn't you've matter got electronic who got it. voting machines, Chris. We don't listen, know what's going on with, you guys. with this voting listen system. Listen to you guys. That's, that, what you're telling me is I don't know what I don't know. It didn't it's matter who got it. Yeah, so it's a flawed system. We, we, we don't know no, if it's honest no, it's or not. It's hey, wait that. a second! No, wait a second! I think we need a feminine voice in this. Let's bring in <laughs> let's bring in Laura from Michigan. Laura, I hope you're holding on to this. I agree with Mitch. While we have these uh, machines, one to nothing. And also, when we send the ballots out to Spain to count, what was that all about? Who's who's counting that? I think we got to go to anarchy. No rulers. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Voluntarianism. How about that, How about that Laurie? Laura? Because the ones yeah. we have aren't working. We need to get rid of all these agencies, all that type of thing. Mitchell, it what's work. your solution? It doesn't work. What's your solution, Mitchell? Well, I think, first of all, that this system of government was devised uh, and implemented in 1790, 1791. The, uh, uh, in 1776, the total population was 2.5 million people. 
Uh, 14 years, 15 years later, 15 years later, we have a population of the first 17, uh, uh, 1790 census. You have a 3.9 million people population in the Civil War, uh, around the Civil War period, you had 38 million people, uh, and now you've got a third of a billion people. I don't think that they designed a system of government that would work with this type of population. It doesn't work. Let's well, do something have different. Have you ever listened to, to, to Michael Gaddy's show? Called him yesterday. Uh, know, that's the first he, time I've heard of him, and he's very interesting. Uh, I've, I've been following him for quite some time, and he has a, a really good insight uh, with what happened in the past. And I think that probably he's more on target with a lot of the constitutional arguments than anybody that I've heard. I, I believe that our Constitution uh, might need some changing. And Chris and I, Chris and I have had shows over the last seven years about what we need to change about this Constitution. Uh, and Chris, you might want to talk about that a little bit, but, you know, we've talked about term limits. We've talked about flat tax. We've talked about... Uh, uh, no, emolu no emoluments. In other words, there's nothing that Congress can do or get or advantage themselves in a way that uh, the average citizen can. You can't insider trade. You can't have... Uh, a different type of retirement and health care. No dual citizenship. No, no dual, dual citizenship. citizenship. I can't be a Sorry. That's how Russia runs it. You have to be a Russian uh, to be in the Duma. Well, in, the, in the United States, we have 86 uh, dual citizens in Congress, and that's what Laura's saying. We can't, we can't have serve two masters, so dual citizenship uh, shouldn't be in our government. Let me read right. something, uh, Fred. Uh, uh, cacistocracy, noun, cacistocracy. Definition, government by the least suitable or competent citizens of a state. A state or society governed by its least suitable or competent citizens. Does that sound familiar? Well, it, it sounds familiar that, that Mark Twain said he didn't think that there was any uh, particular criminal class except for Congress. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, Laura mentioned anarchy, and I'm here, anarchy, according to the Random House Dictionary, and let's look at some definitions of anarchy. Here's the definition that Laura, and I'm pretty certain, Laura, that we're working with. Uh, a theory that regards the absence of all direct or coercive government as a political ideal that proposes the cooperative and voluntary association of individuals and groups as the principal mode of organized society. I like that. Let's look at some yeah, other definitions of the word work. anarchy. I think, we have the, I sorry, think we have the technology work. to handle uh, an anarchist uh, society myself. Well, I, I think, think that, we're there. You know, Thomas well, Hobbes feared well, that we couldn't protect ourselves. We can with the technology now. We can now protect right. ourselves. Well, it's like right now, if we needed justice, if, say, say we wanted to go to court, we couldn't. We could get as much justice as we could afford. In anarchy, in, in an anarchy, we could do the same thing. If we could afford to hire somebody to go out and arrest somebody, then that's what, the way it would happen. But as as it is right now, we are prisoners to a uh, a cap a system that's not capitalist. Um, this is a uh, fascist system, and I think we've had that discussion on this show before too. It's kind of funny because when people talk about anarchy, they, they always have a very negative view. But let's look at another definition of anarchy, the one that most people think of. P political and social disorder due to the absence of governmental 
control. We have now political and social disorder because of governmental control. Right. That's right. right. So that, 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 that fits for the government we have. I mean, this definition of anarchy. Here's another defini- definition of anarchy. Confusion, chaos, and disorder. What the hell do we have right now? Well, let me ask you a question. How many different countries have you been to? Who are you asking? You? He's asking you, Mark. Mark Mitchell. Well, I haven't been anywhere, Chris. I've been to 50 different countries at least. And I can tell you this. If you think there's chaos here, oh, my God, you've never been to Afghanistan. That, that's that's an ar- argument ad vericundium of uh, uh, logic, uh, fallacy problem no, that you're not. laying out there. You, you know. No, it's not. What, what you're saying is there's chaos here. And I'm saying I've been places where there's real chaos. Well, you don't know Okay, well, okay so you're real chaos. So you then, you've been places where there's more chaos, but you just admitted that there's chaos here. No, I don't admit that there's chaos here. I admit that there's an, an imperfect justice system here. You said you've been to places where there's that more there's chaos. Not... That means that there's chaos here. That you've been to places where there's more chaos. No. There's still yeah, chaos no. here. That's a linguistic trick. What I'm telling you is this. If you <laughs> think this okay. is chaos, if, if you think this is chaos, you haven't been to places where there's real chaos. And by that I mean is this. You're looking at a person and the person tells you that that person's from the government and that the result for your behavior is X. You have no idea where that person really is from the government, whether if they were from the government, if your behavior really should produce X, and whether or not the person has any authority whatsoever to be doing what they're doing, or whether there's any structure that accounts for what this person's telling you. And by the way, the person's armed. <laughs> that's what. Oh, okay, Chris. So you're suggesting, oh, Chris. So Chris, you're saying to, you're by, by making this comparative analysis, you're claiming that we have perfection here in the United States of America, right? Is no, that what you're saying? no, no. That's not what I'm saying. In other words, I've said. You're alluding said. to. You don't have. You don't have to define what I've said. I've already told you. Well, I'm asking this you is, to. In my opinion, this is in my opinion the situation in this country is not chaos. There may be an imperfect justice system. And by that, I mean to say the application of laws may be imperfect, but this is not chaos. Let me give you an example. Okay, well, this is a semantics game, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 we're, move, we're moving. We're moving. Well, hey, Chris, 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 let's not let's not get into this argument right now. I think that that the point that Mitchell makes is, is that what we have right now, it can't really can't really be called a um, a Government. A government of the people anymore. And we've got about so four more you. minutes. Listen, wait, wait, wait yeah, one Mitchell, more second. Define, we have a call from anarchy. Fred in Michigan. Yes, and Fred always has an interesting view on a lot of the conversations on RBN. And let's bring Fred in. I think we can bring him in. Uh, Sam, is Fred still on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fred. Uh, add some... Well, right now we're we're having a, a semantics argument about anarchy and and yeah. the kind of chaos that's happening here in this country right now. I think that everybody here is coming off of two years of uh, totalitarian health administration, or I don't even know how to say it. We've been coerced to to take shots that we didn't want. We've been coerced to stay locked down. How? How, That's chaotic Fred, what's to me. Your, it Whole is chaotic. It's chaotic to me. 
But but Fred, you've shed some yeah. light on this for us. We've got about two minutes. This is all pre. It's all premeditated. It's all premeditated chaos. Uh, on the back of the GWFRN, it does say announcing the birth of the new secular order, Anaweseptus New World Order, Anaweseptus Novus Secloro. Novus Ordo Secorum, okay? Uh, divide and conquer, left, right. Divide and conquer, left, right. Hegelian dialectic. Uh, people Absolutely. Have been, you, you, you cited earlier in the first hour, uh, okay, the Talmud vision, TV, Talmud vision. Uh, there's a superstellar, mini documentary on BitChute by the title TV Hypnosis Frontal Lobe Shutdown. TV Hypnosis Frontal Lobe Shutdown. So I ask all of you, how many people do you know? Uh, and this is rhetorical because everyone I know essentially still has Talmud vision. Uh, I shot my Talmud vision in December of 06. <laughs> Okay, and I I haven't missed it since. Um, so it, it it's it's a mind control programming psyops, and let me tell you something. Uh, APAC annually in March, in conjunction with Perm, they shut down. The District of Criminals goes on hiatus for that whole week of Perm. What other lobbying group? Laura's right. No dual citizens, period, especially Israelias, okay? The curse, the scourge, the cancer of planet Earth and all of the countries, every country Whoa. that has a private central bank is experiencing this cancer. And until we get rid of the cancer from planet Earth, all this That's crap will continue. That's all the time we have today. This is Captain Fred. This is the Fifth Dimension. Thank you, callers. It's been interesting. We'll be back next week. It's my own design. It's my own. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. <laughs>